G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, it is always good to catch up with and and to get the latest insights on the issues that are shaping our nation with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is Family Voice State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg's back with us. Greg, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Happy to join you. Greg, let's start with what is really the biggest and most disturbing issue that has happened, and that is around Victoria's new conversion therapy legislation. It's called the Change and Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill. It is a mouthful. Uh, What are your thoughts on the development of what's happening in Victoria? Yeah, thank you, Neil. Look, I am really, really concerned about this. Um... Labor, and I'd say Labor because the Labor government down there, as you know, they've got Chairman Dan, as he's called. They're introducing a bill that will really affect the Australian family in three ways. One, it looks like it's going to split families. It'll punish children of families. And it really is an ideological war against families who are of faith. The bill in itself is so much fraught with danger now that the proposed legislation will will make it will, will make a person liable for penalties up to ten years imprisonment if they engage in any form of uh, suppression practices with their children uh, who have uh, an issue with their sexual orientation or gender identity. In other words, Neil, if you're a parent, a pastor, a psychologist, a health professional you will be prohibited from having an open and frank discussion with a child who may be struggling with the difficult questions around gender identity. Neil, we can't let this happen. And I really do ask people to pray and put pen to paper. Interestingly, Greg, as I've been talking about this topic on a number of occasions since last week, uh, the idea that in Queensland it's more people who are professional counsellors who are targeted... In the ACT, families are targeted, and in this Victorian one, it, it goes really over the top. And people in church, uh, people who even would pray for someone who has unwanted same-sex attraction, uh, people who are pastors or small group hmm. leaders, these are the sorts of people who are being targeted, uh, quite obviously, by the Andrews government here. Yeah, and, 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 and you are so correct, but Neil, the interesting part is, there is a sinister aspect to this legislation. In other words, the legislation that's proposed, and I think it's going there today in Parliament, I could be wrong, it it protects any action if you want to affirm your gender change. In other words, you know, if I want to affirm, if I want to be a male uh, or a female or a female to a male, whatever, go ahead and do it. So it actually protects those people and it actually punishes anyone who wants to seek help from outside of Victoria. So they really have boxed you right, Neil. And, and the issue here is, quite frankly, g- 
government should never interfere with a parent's rights to counsel their children or children, in fact, to seek help. Neil, we've got to make this an issue and we've got to make sure that people in Victoria do take uh, pen to paper or ring their local MP. This is a huge issue, isn't it, Greg? The idea of government interference with whether someone can seek help for something that's unwanted. I mean, and the prohibition against that. And uh, the idea, too, that some of the dreadful practices that are no longer in existence, no evidence at all, uh, that the government is aligning the idea of prayer with an extreme practice. That's just crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 the old LGBTIQA plus uh, uh, rhetoric that they throw out there to try and force everybody to say, "Oh, look how horrible it is." We were not talking about past past practices, Neil. We're talking about counselling and helping those that are undecided. So we're really just trying to counsel our own children, Neil. Uh, Greg, let's move on. Uh, the issue of cancel culture, it's back. And the latest development where a Christian ministry helping people with unwanted same-sex attraction has been suspended from Facebook. And this seems to be happening yeah. lots these days. Yeah, it does, Neil. And, and again, we're back to the old cancel culture, Christian persecution by the media, limiting free speech, for example, I've got my own Facebook page that I do a lot of postings on to do with Christian faith. Uh, the Family Voice has its own Facebook page. I'd hate to wake up tomorrow morning and find that, you know, Facebook all of a sudden have, have, have sort of suspended our account because we've put in a posting on, on our beliefs as Christians. So this has got to stop again now because really what's happening here is that uh, without any notice, the Facebook page of the Restored Hope Network um, was removed and the, exec the executive director of that organisation said, clearly, this is a chilling example of viewpoint discrimination. In other words, it is a campaign by the media and the social media platforms to censor organisations helping people who really are confused about their gender or their homosexuality or whatever. Something along the lines of the spirit of the age, because it's hard to point the finger at individuals, isn't it, Greg? Because when you've got a suspension, it's part of a wider campaign uh, on social media platforms, censoring organisations that are trying to, in fact, help people with unwanted mm. same-sex attraction. And there's this spirit of the age that wants to actually prohibit that happening and at the same time locking people into their chosen sexuality, even when they want to change. Yeah. And now, this is exactly the point that if you want to change, you should be able to seek counselling from your, from your friends, relatives, or, or your pastor or your counsellor. But what the LGBTIQA activists are trying to tell us is that, hey, this is all, this is all sort of... Conversion therapy—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, you know—it's going to hurt your child. It's all rhetoric now, and what we've got to make sure is that people looking for change should be free to find help from counsellors, schools, churches, or whatever. Now, this cancel culture has to stop. 
let's move on to another topic, and there's some similarity in the thread between all these sorts of things we're talking about today and uh, the whole issue around same-sex marriage, because ramifications and the ripple effect is still going on throughout some church movements, and uh, the Anglican Church no different. Uh, They're facing their own challenges over the idea of blessing civil same-sex marriages. What's, uh, What's your update on this one, Greg? Well, Neil, as you know, I am, <clears throat> pardon me, I am an Anglican. Uh, I've sat on the uh, Synod here in Sydney uh, with over 800 people. It's like the Parliament, of course, of the, of the Anglican Church. Now I read, and this is really disturbing, that the Anglican Church of Australia's top legal body has ruled that blessings of civil same-sex marriages can go ahead. Now, there's a real issue here because there are a number of implications for pastors and what have you. But let's just sort of define civil same-sex marriage means marriages performed outside of a church by people who are not clergy. What does a blessing mean? It means a subsequent ceremony within the church. But we must remember the Anglican Church of Australia has always restricted marriage to a man and a woman. So to all of a sudden, have a legal body of the Anglican Church telling me that it's okay to bless uh, marriages of, uh, of, of same, you know, same-sex marriages of a civil nature. That's really disturbing for me as an Anglican, as a Christian now. And so the general position of the Anglican Church is to really only endorse the traditional view of marriage, but there was a diocese in mm. Wangaratta that broke free and said... Uh, uh, they're going to vote to bless civil same-sex uh, unions. Is that the way that that works? Well, what happened is each each diocese, for the want of a better word, or each region, the constitution of the Anglican Church allows each region to pretty much do their own thing. And what Wangaratta did was the the diocese they voted to bless civil same-sex marriages in churches. Likewise, Neil, the Newcastle diocese also voted to bless civil same-sex marriages. So the problem we've got here is that, uh, that, that these two dioceses, and it's allowable under the Constitution, I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe, uh, has meant that churches or dioceses that have a left-wing progressive pastoral influence will end up doing this. Now, that's a real contradiction for me as a Christian and an Anglican because, you know, we need to uphold a biblical view of marriage and in this instance, I think we're getting away from that uh, biblical definition now. Uh, we can really get a little bit deeper here. And, uh, and I guess here, uh, you know, talking about the politics that happens within a church denomination. And uh, as you say, you're a part of the Anglican Church and, uh, mm. you know, not wanting to draw you into, uh, you know, being heavily critical or anything because it's your own church movement. But except to say here... Uh, that way that politics can work, and as you say, there's sort of a, a liberal um, influence that's come in uh, in the Anglican Church, and I guess nearly all of the denominations will be facing all these sorts of pressures. But uh, the way they've tried to uh, get under the skin here and uh, to mm-hmm. under the radar, uh, the idea of protecting clergy from being disciplined. So if someone goes mm-hmm. off and, uh, and in a rogue way against the teaching of the Anglican Church, they bless a civil union uh, after it's already happened, then this idea of protecting the clergy from being disciplined. In other words, uh, you can do whatever you like and get off scot-free. 
Yeah, and the reverse is true as well, Neil. Don't forget, I have spoken to in the last week or two to a number of ministers in the, in, in the Anglican Church in this particular case that have said to me they will not, under any circumstance, bless a same-sex marriage performed under a civil union. In other words, they'll refuse to do it. Now, will they be protected from action from the LGBTIQA community who say, right, you haven't, you know, you're discriminating. So I believe they will be, but it's it, it, a grey area. And we must remember that the Anglican Church has always maintained that the traditional uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. So if, uh, if there's a minister or a pastor out there that diverts from that, what are the legal implications? And I'd hate to see anything go to court, uh, you know, on this issue because the church just needs to uphold its traditional view of marriage. And the traditional view of marriage, Greg, comes from the Bible. So when you've got denominations, and let's take this beyond just the Anglican Church, other churches Mm. are doing this as well, you've got a constitution that the church is working with and uh, you've got some level of uh, input there coming from the people who are voting on uh, the issues. And so then when the constitution becomes the guiding issue and people can play around with the finer points of the constitution, all of a sudden it doesn't look much like the biblical version. I guess there's some good room for uh, what you'd call reformation because you have Mm. a Bible as a foundation, but uh, you're off on a, a tangent playing with the issues around the Constitution. That seems to be what's happening. That, that's exactly what's happening, but there is a high degree of freedom uh, for, for various dioceses to, to play around with the Constitution. Look, I recall having on our webinar not long ago, Neil, the Archbishop of Sydney, uh, and, and uh, it, was, it was very interesting because we had the Archbishop speaking, and uh, we, we were getting, getting onto some fairly, fairly sort of... Um, uh, technical issues and controversial issues as well. Next minute, Neil, the Archbishop, we're on a webinar, he, he, he blanks out. He's gone. Hmm. So, in other words, he, you know, we had no connection. And there's me, I'm interviewing the Archbishop. Uh, so I said to everybody, look, I don't know where the Archbishop has gone. It looks like he's blacked out or whatever. Anyway, a couple of minutes later, he came back on, Neil, to say, hello, I'm back. I bet you thought it was the rapture. and we all said you know and I said well it did cross my mind and that's what's worrying me here Neil is that you know I'd hate to be in a situation where we go to a church and we're seeing a minister blessing civil same-sex marriages we don't know when our Lord Jesus Christ is going to come we've got to be ready we've got to be you know we've got to be prepared but not only that let's become Bible-believing Christians, Neil. And let's make sure that we live by those words and not only live by them, but act by them. So I'm calling on all ministers within the Anglican churches to say, hey, this is not on whether you're Wangaratta or Newcastle. Just stick to the Bible as your guiding principle. And the general synod of the Anglican Church is due to meet next year. And usually we're encouraging people to be in touch with politicians. And I guess uh, some of the earlier issues we've talked about, absolutely. But uh, there is a certain sense here too that uh, ordinary people who are not part of the leadership and the politics of 
uh, church denominational life, uh, no doubt uh, you'd be calling on people no matter what uh, role or position they have within the Anglican Church and perhaps other denominations as well uh, to be influencing the leaders as to what your understanding of the Bible is. I mean, this is an important aspect too, Greg. Absolutely. Look, every if, if you're an Anglican, for example, uh, you will have you will have nominated two or three of your uh, parishioners to go to the Anglican uh, Synod. I mean, I was part of that for many years. Uh, you go along, you vote, and here's your opportunity to contact your Synod representatives, let them know your views that this is not on. We can't have ad hoc um, policies for each different diocese. Either you're a Bible-believing Bible Christian, Neil, or you're not. Uh, well, Greg, uh, challenge there, and uh, listeners, no doubt, uh, will take that on board, and especially those uh, who are part of the Anglican tradition. Uh, Greg Bondar, great getting your insights as usual. Uh, Greg is the Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT, the Family Voice website familyvoice.org.au and there's all sorts of campaigns and webinars and good resources you can take advantage of there familyvoice.org.au Greg Bondar thanks so much for the update today on 2020 thank you very much uh, Neil for the opportunity thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au 